Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome back to the Hockey News Podcast, presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Stevens. This is Ryan Kennedy. Now, we're recording this on Tuesday. Training camp's open on Wednesday. We've already done all our division previews. I think we've mm-hmm. teed up the NHL season to an appropriate degree. Yes. So what we're going to do on this episode, we're obviously going to cover a couple of the big sort of news stories that have, that have happened in the past week since we've been talking to you. But then we're going to open it up to the fans, to our, our adoring listeners, to basically just... Do a mailbag episode. Doesn't have to be about hockey. Some will be about hockey. Some will be everything. Just to get to know Ryan and I. You know, yeah, it's a yeah. nice little little thing. But first, we have to talk about. I I think might be the shortest coaching tenure in NHL history. Uh, so, like, truly, I would say maybe the most embarrassing coaching tenure in NHL history is Mike Babcock, who, in in a in in the span of a week. Had his, had his entire tenure with the, the Columbus Blue Jackets wiped away. First, on, on uh, last Tuesday, the Spitting Checklist podcast um, came out with allegations that Mike Babcock was, you know, like rubbing players the wrong way, making them show, like invading their privacy, particularly making them show uh, him photos on, in their camera roll, uh, and then like hooking it up to the, off, to the TV in his office, basically, so we could go through it. Um, which is a thing that, as my boss, Ryan, that would really creep me out if you did. Fair. Um, and then after that, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and Captain Boone Jenner came out with a statement saying, yeah, but it was like more of a positive thing, and everyone thought it was going away. And then the NHLPA got involved, started looking into that, and apparently a lot more came out of it to the point where on Sunday, Mike Babcock resigned as head coach before even running not just a game, but a practice. Um, so he was hired on July 1st, so it was just over three months, really, that he, that he was in, in the role. An absolute sort of disastrous thing to happen right before training camp and the season starts. Ryan, what are your initial thoughts on this? Well, there's a lot to unpack. You know, first, the, the speed of it is yeah. quite blinding. Just anecdotally, our new issue, Meet the New Guys, we actually had an article about Mike Babcock, mm-hmm. uh, which was very interesting, written by Ken Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he mentioned that the Columbus Blue Jackets, when they were looking for a new coach, uh, they consulted Ken Hitchcock, mm-hmm. who obviously was the most successful coach they've ever had uh, in the past. And he basically said he had a list of one. It was Mike Babcock, who is obviously an old friend of his. You know, they've golfed together, things of that. You know, they've coached together internationally. So, bit of a red flag there where, Whoa. you know, you're just kind of consulting one person. Uh, who's I his know, friend. Who's, who's his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and who also has a reputation as being a bit of a, a hard butt, if you will. An old school guy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, I highly recommend, obviously, picking up the new issue. I also wrote a column at the end of this issue mm-hmm. talking about how it's fascinating to me that this sort of, like, Old Boys Network mm-hmm. in hockey, they seem to value second chances more than first chances. Yes. 
Uh, and obviously Mike Babcock is one of them, and then obviously Bill Peters as well, yeah. uh, going to the WHL in Lethbridge. And so I don't even have this issue at my house yet. Mm -hmm. And already Mike Babcock's gone. Like that's already how it's fast, out of date, yeah. That's how fast this mm -hmm. happened, is we couldn't even get the issue out during his tenure. Yeah. Um, I would say on the positive side of the ledger, ledger Pascal Vincent, who's yeah. replacing him, is a coach that we've had on our radar for quite some time now mm -hmm. where he's had a lot of success in the AHL. And it felt like he was one of those guys that deserved a chance. That was ready, you know. Yeah, yeah, to get his own bench. You know, I would say Ryan Huska, who was hired by the Flames, mm -hmm. um, would be also in that category. And Spencer Carberry. Spencer Carberry like in that, Washington, yeah. yeah. So if there's any silver lining here, it's that maybe Columbus should have just hired Pascal Vincent in the first place yeah. to be their coach. But, you know... One other avenue I'll go down here mm -hmm. is how well this reflects on the new NHLPA brain trust. That's what I was going to bring up, so I'm glad you're bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, Marty Walsh, uh, the new leader, obviously went hard on this. Ron Hainsey as well, who it seems early on in Walsh's tenure, Hainsey was a guy that, that he sort of He's a, earmarked like and said, okay, yeah. this is a guy that I like, that I can work mm -hmm. with, that we're on the same wavelength. And um, so they went in, they took it seriously, which is very important. Yes. And but they got boots on the ground too. They got boots on the yeah. ground. Yeah, exactly. They went in fast, and you know they uh, they got the answers they were looking for, and they supported the players yes. that were concerned about what had gone down with Babcock. So I think this is a tremendously positive thing for the union, where the players have concrete evidence where it's like if we have a problem, we know Marty Walsh and Ron Hainsey have our back. Yes, that is that that's, that was another main point I was going to so I'm glad you did like. This, look, it's all hypothetical at this point, but this, there's a 0% chance this happened. This unfolds the way it did with Donald Fear. 0%. Quite possibly. Quite. If you look at, at some of the allegations yeah. involving Kyle, Kyle Beach, Beach and, and all that, there, yeah. it would have been a series of emails and, you know, like some, some jibber jabber and then it would have gone away. Whereas Marty Walsh, like, we got the, like, the allegations came out on Tuesday. Walsh, like, like uh, on Tuesday, I believe, was reported, like, like traveled to Columbus uh, along with his cohort, and then, like interviewed all the players, spoke with the NHL on Friday, and by and by Saturday, they, like Columbus was then like like after the results were were sort of like formulated Saturday, as it as you know the reporting suggests, Columbus was already like had already made up their mind and was working with Babcock for a stepping down plan, mm. um, and then Sunday it happened. Like that's a that's a span of six days basically, where it go you go from. Allegations on a podcast that, let's be frank, like not a ton of people take take uh, um, like when it comes to journalism, mm -hmm. at least that's not where you go for your breaking news stories. Right. And credit to the Spin Chickless podcast. I'm not a huge fan of Barstool, but they clearly have cultivated a space where players feel comfortable Certainly. to talk about that. And I think that's very important. Yeah. A little concerning that you know that's the the avenue that the players are are opposed to like a league mandated one that speaks I think worse on the league than it does on on Spin Chicklets. Right. But like. Immediately he go like they boots on the ground with with like a team. They got to the bottom of it, and then I also think the statement, like the fact that there was a statement that was released by Marty Walsh, because every NHLPA statement, at least, and this is not like the Donald Fear bashing podcast, but like right. it seemed like every statement under Donald Fear was a bunch, was a word salad that really accomplished nothing. It was always we've reviewed this and we've come to there's no substantial evidence and uh, there's no further comment. Whereas the statement that Marty Walsh released, it was like. 
I'm, we, we are glad to hear that Columbus has done this. There, there, upon the evidence we collected in our investigation, there was clearly no recourse for him to, or there was clearly no way he could continue as, as a coach. Like, mm. I'm glad our, our, our players need to be treated with respect. Yeah, and I think it, it's sort of interesting in terms of, like, the Donald Fear tenure. Mm -hmm. It was almost more of a peacetime yes. role where, yes. and, and, you know, getting through the pandemic, that was obviously huge, and the PA yeah. and the league had to work together oh, absolutely. to get the bubbles going. And to get and to, the, they signed a new CBA. Like, they got a know, new CBA. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, he had his strengths in terms of mm -hmm. collective bargaining and, and things like that. But I think with Marty Walsh, you're getting more of, I, I don't know if it's an fair advocate. to say, an advocate, yeah. yeah. Um, and somebody that obviously has huge labor ties going way back, like his entire career, basically. Um, so I, I think you're getting a different kind of leader. And it's good to have those different viewpoints. And, you know, with Walsh, like I said, I think he really stepped up here and has put an early stamp yes. on what his tenure is going to be. It's interesting, too, um, you know, to get a little more into the political into weeds, the weeds there, yeah. where, you know, when they were talking about, you know, Don Fear's replacement, Matthew Schneider was a big name, and he was obviously a former player mm -hmm. who knew the union side that way and had been involved with the union for years. Um, I know there were some concerns about, well, can he go head-to-head -head with the owners and Gary Bettman? He cannot. Right. So he might have been the choice for a lot of players, but I think... You know, on the sort of like legal and strategy side, there was some reticence there. And yes. now Schneider's, you know, stepped away. Exactly. So, I mean, he didn't get picked, and clearly there might have been some. Yeah, there was obviously a different, you know, philosophy yes. in how to go forward. And that's fine. This, hey, look you know, it happens. This happens uh, everywhere. But it is very interesting to see um, this first sort of uh, move by Marty Walsh, and, and I'll put Ron Hainsey in there mm -hmm. as well, where uh, clearly, you know, full marks to them for how this went down. And I think, you know, the conversation now is, you know, I mean, we know Babcock's done. Oh, for good. Done, done. Yeah. Uh, unless he wants to go to like the KHL. Um, but it is very interesting to see this generational gap. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it is a learning experience for the whole hockey culture mm -hmm. where, you know, it, it's not an age thing. Right, because we have some coaches that are older that players love, um, but it is a mindset thing. And I think what we're seeing here is not only you know uh, sort of culturally where phones mean a different thing yes. to young people than it does to older generations, mm -hmm. uh, but also how you approach players, the power dynamics, and being aware of those power dynamics. And I would hazard to say being more collaborative. And boundaries. And boundaries as yes. well. These are all lessons for the NHL as a whole right now mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the coaches and how they relate to their players. Absolutely. And it's, you're right, it is NHL-wide. And it's not, you're right, it's not really an age thing. It's that, and it's not cancel culture, woke culture, whatever. It's right. that as, the, as society as a whole has progressed, our standards for how we... Are, will allow ourselves to be treated or treated have thankfully risen you know like in a in any workplace now like there you and, and even like even when I was playing hockey like mm. I had coaches who would who were like the Mike Babcocks and more of like the yellers you know the yeah. the you know like the trying to rule with the iron fist and 
I'm, I'm 27, so I'm roughly around that age of, of where the, the young NHLers are. Some are, you know, five, six years younger. But, like, that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Like, if I came into work every day and you were yelling at me about mm -hmm. everything, I, like, I would be a less productive employee. And the bar is very low right now. Let's be clear. <laughs> but I'd be a less productive employee right now yeah. than I would be, you know, than I am now. Mm. Um, what, what boggles my mind, and... and I understand why they're not doing it now. Because in the statement, um, uh, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets owner said that we don't foresee any further uh, changes to our hockey or hockey operations leadership right. as for, as like, as, because as for any further disruptions would be detrimental to our team as we prepare for the season. So right. I, I understand that. But like, in my, in my opinion, mm. Yarmo Kekalainen should have followed Mike Babcock right out the door. I, I'll go even further. I oh. think John Davidson should have. Yeah. I think it should have been a clean sweep based yeah. on yeah, just how everything went down. The the entire hiring process was botched from the second they started because, like you said, yeah. all they did was it was also reported. So they 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 Mike Babcock, by the way, to put in context, he'd been banished from the NHL, and it is not uh, not officially not officially, but I mean, <laughs> like in terms of like the boys' club or whatever, like yeah. banished. Sort of like like uh, uh, he had been ostracized or, uh -huh. or or you know basically and it is extreme like Peter Shirelli is going to join the Ottawa Senators front office this week that's mm -hmm. being reported Peter Shirelli who did one of the worst jobs as a GM with, he he lucked into a generational argue one of the, if who might a guy who might end up being the best hockey player of all time and he he lucked into that and surrounded him with nothing and got fired and they missed the playoffs and all that like one of the worst GMs of the modern era he's he's getting a job it's in, like in today's NHL it is impossible to get to, to get ostracized from the old boys club if you're in the old boys club right. and yet babcock was such a jerk during his tenure across multiple organizations that he did and coming to columbus them hiring they clearly wanted columbus clearly realized oh this is a name brand coach that we otherwise mm. wouldn't be able to get in our market, but we're capitalizing on the fact that like he is a bit down on his luck. This is his last chance, and he got and and, and to to bring him in. The hiring process was asking a, a former, a, you know, a, a fellow hard-headed coach his opinion on him, who he, who is also a very good friend yeah. and a golf buddy, yeah. and apparently a, another Hall of Fame caliber player, who are not the types of players that Babcock has had his spats with. Right. The, 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 num the players, the types of players that, that Babcock has earned this reputation as being just like a guy who plays mind games with you and like abuses you mentally, mm. is with the rookies. It's with the veterans on their last legs. It's mm. with the death players. The star players are different. Yeah. It's, it's a lot like, I watched the Swamp Kings documentary on Netflix uh, for the, the University of Florida, and, and Urban Meyer, in that he, he said, you know, like he basically, he set up a white table with like linen cloth and everything, and his stars would eat there, they'd eat steak, and then all the other role players would eat hamburgers and hot dogs, whatever. He said, I'm going to treat my stars like stars and my poop like poop. And if you want, and if you don't want to be treated like poop anymore, become a star. Uh -huh. That doesn't work these days. Yeah. Babcock did that, but they they but in this sort of like wide net casting hiring process to make sure it was okay to bring this back this guy back and welcome him back into a locker room that's a very sacred space and keep mm. and and have him be in charge of you know like young adults and teenagers mm. in their formative years. Yeah, they asked his his buddy who does the same stuff as him yeah. and a Hall of Fame caliber play, caliber player. And then they defended. They, they tried to defend it, and and there was all of this talk about Mike Babcock's got a mental health plan. 
that he's going to like, and he wants players to tell him when they stepped over the line so he right. can like correct himself. And he didn't even run a practice. He didn't even yeah. get to training camp. That is, that is the most embarrassing saga, I think, in recent NHL history when it comes to coaches. And the GM, when you hire someone like that, you stake, especially at the, at the stage that Yarmo was at, because he's won one playoff series in 10 years as, mm. as Columbus. They were terrible last year after they were supposed to not be that good, and he had injuries, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So you stake your like, status to that hiring. There's a re- like, you could have hired Pascal Vincent, probably gotten the same stuff. Instead, you hired Mike Babcock. So you're like, I'm taking a swing, and if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down, I'm going to go down with the ship. Right. So if this doesn't work out, if it's a disaster, it's on you. And yeah. it blew up before he even stepped on the ice. So if you're going to eventually mm-hmm. dismiss Yarmo Kekalainen and John Davidson... Which is, like, going to happen eventually. Like, everyone gets fired, but you have to think. Yeah, I mean, personally, my suggestion would be you go, Rick Nash is president, franchise legend, um, you know, has been in sort of front mm-hmm. office scenarios uh, with the club already. Um, and then you go, Ryan Martin is GM. Mm-hmm. He has... Been an assistant GM in the NHL uh, for quite a while now. He has a Stanley Cup from his time with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, He's worn a lot of hats. Uh, And and it's funny, we always talk about coaches, but it's like, who are the next GMs? Uh, I think Martin would be a a tremendous candidate. Yeah, we all know what happened last time. They hired someone with the Stanley Cup with the Detroit Red Wings. Right. It worked out great. No, I I totally agree. Um, All right, next, next topic here, Ryan, is that you were big on the prospect tournament. Indeed. You, uh, it was Buffalo, right? It was Buffalo. Yes. So you were there. You got to see it all firsthand, just for you know, just a little bit. Tell us your biggest takeaways. Sorry, I was getting emotional about that. Tell us your biggest takeaways. Uh, uh, you know what you saw, some guys that stood out, and then uh, then we'll hop into a mailbag. Yeah, for sure. So there was uh, six teams mm-hmm. in Buffalo, and uh, some more laden with prospects than others. The Buffalo Sabers, who were obviously hosting, mm-hmm. uh, had an excellent squad. Absolutely. And I think the player that stood out the most for me was Matt Savoy, and. Unfortunately, he got banged up in the last Same. game, hurt his shoulder. But in the first game against Montreal, uh, he was just deadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a couple of highlight reel goals, uh, really used his speed well. And uh, I think that bodes very well for him. Now, again, hurting his shoulder, who knows what that means for training camp yeah. and where he ends up because he is still junior eligible, mm-hmm. which means he would go to the Wenatchee Wild in the WHL that used to be the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, but he will also, I would think, be crucial for Canada's World Junior yes. team. Um, I went on the Friday, Buffalo played Montreal, and I blogged about David Reinbacher, who was, of course, Montreal's first-round pick this year. And I think it was very good for Reinbacher to be there. You could see all the good tools he had. Very mobile, you know, he's got a big frame, got a great shot, but he had never really played in North America before. He was at the World Juniors with Austria, mm-hmm. but they got caved in. So yes, it, it they wasn't did. like we were mean, there. Yeah, it wasn't like a good uh, you know assessment of what he was capable. Reinbacher of. was. I remember there was like one day where Reinbacher was literally the only reason we were going to go watch this game. It was he, like we literally was, made sure he was going to be in the yeah. lineup and walked the two minutes well, from the hotel. Yeah. If yeah. he was not in that lineup, it was a relegation game. If he was not yeah. in the lineup, we would have just watched TV in the hotel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was a point. None of the media would have shown up, and, yeah. but he played, so there was like eight of us there. Yeah. So, you know, he got knocked around a bit. I, I, I thought he struggled a bit in that first game. But it's okay because he needed to see what the smaller ice game was all about. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a very good learning experience for him. Uh, Simone Nemich uh, played for New Jersey. Uh, he looked very good. I, I think just it's going to be a numbers game where he probably yes. goes back to Utica. Absolutely. But talking to uh, 
uh, Utica coach Kevin Deneen, who was coaching the prospects, it was interesting to see the work they already did with Nemes last year in the AHL, where you know sometimes he needs to simplify things where mm-hmm. he doesn't always have to be that you know that offensive guy from the blue line. And you know Nemes talked about you know the physicality after the game when he was talking to us, just getting used to that, and and that's something he's been working on. So I think a lot of great lessons there. Um, I'll also just quickly you know when we're on the topic Let's of prospect tournaments, you know. Connor Bedard obviously, you know, made his Blackhawks debut. <laughs> what a debut it was. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I wasn't there, but just watching the clips, I'm going to say now, I think what happens in the first half of the season, mm-hmm. Connor Bedard's going to get like 25 goals in the first kind of like 41 games or so because NHL teams, they've heard all the hype. Yes. But once you actually experience his release, you don't understand it. Yes. And that's what the goalies, and obviously these are prospect goalies, but you just don't get it until you see it live. So he's going to, somehow he's going to surprise people. That first goal that he scored, and I'm going to say that first goal because everyone knows what I'm talking about in his his debut. His angle of release, I don't know how a puck can go off a stick the way it did, like, at the angle it was shot. It was yeah. like he was shooting it, it was like he was shooting it in one direction, but the puck like went, it, 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 he like curved the bullet, like from, yeah. from Wanted. Like it was crazy, that is, I, I tweeted like, you know, with that, those clips being like, Karnabadar going up against like prospect tournament invitees yeah. is like, it's like Shaq going one-on-one against like current day Danny DeVito. Like, yeah, it, yeah. like in a one-on-one game, like yeah. it is, Brutal. Yeah, and you know, we know Bedard, he has that really whippy stick. He uses the flex that's like 60 or something. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, child's flex, by the way. Yeah, like, exactly. For real. Like my stick when I was playing like Tyke was 50 flex. Yeah, yeah. and it's funny because I know I've talked to uh, people at Sherwood and they were like, yeah, it's, it's incredible like what he can do, but it's what makes him comfortable. Yeah. And, and obviously it works for him and he uses those different release points. Um, so yeah, like I don't know how many goals he's going to end with, but mm. I think he's going to start off really on a tear yeah. because NHL goalies, as be like, what as they just might, happened? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be like Austin Matthews, yeah. you know, when he got to the NHL, where it's like you just you don't know until you see it, and mm-hmm. then you have to adjust. Uh, and then real quickly, Adam Fantilli and Leo Carlson yeah. also look really good in their prospect tournaments. Man, Fantilli, like Bedard and Fantilli both having hat-tricks in their debuts. It was pretty great, man. Yeah, and I know Fantilli had like a five-point game yeah. at one point for Columbus, but you see all the physical tools that he has, mm. the speed, the size, the skill. And then Leo Carlson, you know, um, out west with Anaheim playing in that prospect tournament with all the other Pacific teams there. Again, you could see just the maturity to his game mm-hmm. and the skill level, the hands in close, uh, what he could do. So very exciting time. It's awesome. And, and it's fun. You know, I, I know some people are like, ah, it's prospect tournaments, whatever. But well, they matter, man. It's just nice to see that start and to, to see what these kids are already capable of and for them to sort of get that little head start heading into their first real NHL training game. Yeah, prospect tournaments matter, man. Like, it's a, it's a great opportunity to to see these kids in what might be for a lot of them their first taste of just even like wearing, and I, like I, I, my one critique would be, I wish that teams would, um, would have like different jerseys for prospect tournaments because I think it's important that like, like it would be a, a cool thing for them to be like, you gotta earn this to wear this jersey. Some teams do. Like, like the Leafs, for example, yeah. have like pra- practice jerseys. And, and Pittsburgh, uh, their team uh, in Buffalo, which obviously the GM is Kyle mm-hmm. Dubas, yes. who was with the Leafs, 
they were wearing practice yeah. type jerseys. It wasn't the official Penguins jersey. Uh, I kind I understand that, mm-hmm. and it totally makes sense. But I also like when I was watching Dallas and Detroit in Traverse City, uh, obviously on YouTube uh, this year. It was fun to see, yeah. you know, like the Detroit kids and the Dallas kids. It's like, hey, that's there's true. Logan Stankoven in a Dallas Stars jersey. Yeah. Like, that's, that's fun as well. All right, that's true. That's, yeah. that's fair. Also, like, one note, if we're talking about prospect uh, uh, tournament jerseys, um, the Anaheim Ducks, who have a, a, uh, uh, an ad patch on one shoulder yeah. and an 30th anniversary patch on one shoulder, right. had, were forced, and, and patches on both shoulders as well, were forced to put the A, like, like right down, like, in the nipple area, <laughs> right, if you will, right. and it looks horrible. It, I, there has to be some solution to that. Adjustments it will was, be made. Because, like, it was tough <clears throat> in, the, uh, in, the, in the cup final right. when, when, like, they put the, they had to put the Stanley Cup final patch and the A or, or the letter, like, next to each other. just yeah. looked weird. This is, like, a whole new level. This, like, yeah. ruined my day when I saw <laughs> it. It was bad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, but yeah, that's great. All right, now let's go into our mailbag, Ryan. This is basically just, let's just answer questions. Loosey-goosey, have a fun time. We'll start with some hockey, uh, I guess, sort of related questions. We can start off. You got one. I Um, did. Yeah, so this is from, uh, from Facebook, Mm -hmm. and we have a question from, uh, Jason Hunter. All right. Says, I know my favorite team, the San Jose Sharks, are going through a rebuild, uh, realistic, realistically, how terrible are they going to be after losing Eric Carlson, a.k.a. the only real offensive force the team had consistently? Mm-hmm. Also, rea- realistically, when are they going to be good again? Five years? Ten years? More than that? Give me a glimmer of hope. So, Well, if we tell you more than ten years, it's not a glimmer of hope. Yeah, that exactly. Is, yeah. yeah. I don't th- it's, it's not going to be it's that, not that long. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, Jason, I, I think the Sharks are going to be very bad yeah. this year. Um, I mean, they do have Logan Couture. They do have Thomas Hurdle. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got some guys. But other than that, I think this is going to be very much a transition year for the Sharks mm-hmm. where I want to see what William Eklund can do. Absolutely. Like, I want to see what some of the, those young kids can do. And I think a lot of it is going to hinge on – a little bit of lottery luck, mm-hmm. where, and again, I've said this before. They want to get Mac, Celebrini. Yeah. Max Celebrini, uh, who played for the San Jose Junior Sharks at one point when yep. he was growing up uh, because his dad works for the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, Max Celebrini, originally from Vancouver, he is a center. Mm-hmm. He is tremendous. Uh, he'll be at Boston University this year as a true freshman. Uh, he might miss a game or two uh, due to an upper body injury. I think he had shoulder um Might have had shoulder surgery or some kind of procedure in the summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the least, he had something that he had to get worked on. So he might miss a game or two. Um, But he would be perfect because you just drafted Will Smith, also a center. Mm -hmm. So you look at your future. you got to go down the middle. If you had Celebrini Will Smith, that's a devastating one-two punch. If you don't get Celebrini, Cole Iserman is second. Oh, yeah. He is like... He's really good. He is like an Ovechkin-level shooter. Yeah. Like, and, you know, one thing... I'm not saying he's going to be Ovechkin... But 
he is a goal scorer, and he doesn't have an office. Like Ovechkin is an office, yeah. and he's very difficult. He's just impossible to stop in there. Cole Eisenman will score from anywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you know if you went, if you had a future that was sort of anchored by Will Smith and Cole Eisenman, well, that's a pretty hot tandem right now. Or sorry, not right now, but uh, for the future. Yes. So I think San Jose is going to need. I, I think five years is realistic. Where. You got to build up the pipeline a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I'm sure Mike Greer will continue to take to make moves mm-hmm. th- with an eye to the future as GM. But I think I, I think that yes, they are going to be terrible. That they might be, if not the worst team, then certainly in the 30s. Yes. Uh, but I think that should be part of the plan. That yeah, that's that's what they are. It's kind of what they're what they're hoping for. Like I, if yeah. they. Because the, the, there, there is definitely a, a ceiling to this roster. Like, there yes. is, like, and that ceiling is maybe, like, I would say everything goes right. Like, literally everything goes right, like, 21st in the league. And, but if they finish there, that's a disaster for them. Right. They, so they yeah, want to be bad. And they have, the thing, the, the good news is you have a lot of money coming off the books next mm. year. I'm looking at Cat Friendly right now. Shout out to Cat Friendly. I just launched a new NBA version of that, which is amazing. Um, but, like, they have, like, Kevin LeBlanc, um, LeBanc, Mike Hoffman, Anthony Duclair, Barabanov, um, and, and Oscar Lindblom, and uh, uh, also like Radim Simek, all coming off the books next year. That's a lot of like late twenties to early thirties guys making, you know, from the from the five million to the two and a half million sort of like types of contracts for players who don't deserve them that kill you. Because it's not the eleven million dollar contracts that kill you. Those guys are almost always worth it. Mm. It's always the third liner. Who, ha- who has like good shooting luck and ends up getting paid three point five, and you're like, no, we have this like weird block right. that's like, pre- and, and all of those guys are that basically that I just yeah. listed. Yeah. Uh, Granlin, like, because he has two years left, like that might be the worst contract in the league. Like we were, I was debating this with a couple friends, like, oh, maybe it's Carey Price, maybe it's this whatever. I'm like, Michael Granlin at, at two more years left at five mil mm. at thirty one year old, that's one of the like he's the third highest paid forward on the team. Yeah. To be fair, you're right. They have they have some good prospects. They, um, they will add likely a top two pick, um, depending on where the lottery balls, balls yeah. fall, really. But they will likely add a, t- a top two pick by the end of, of this season. And also, like, I like the bet they made on Philip Zadina. Like, I, I want to see what yeah. he's got in a different situation. Clearly, it just never worked in Detroit there. Yeah. Like, for, like, whether it was personality-wise, development-wise, he, he got yo-yoed a bunch. It just never worked. I'd like to see what he has there. He will likely have a bigger role. Um, it's a... Uh, look, I, I would say... Where they become like perennial playoff, like a respectable team, honestly, honest to God, it might take like four years. Certainly. For them to like yeah. be, become a team where like you head into the season and you're like, oh yeah, they'll make the playoffs, like for sure. Yeah, because they have to get to that sort of scrappy sharks point. Exactly. Where it's like, eh, it's starting to get like. They got they that dog get, in them. Yeah. Like Ottawa and Buffalo are there now, where yes. it's like, ooh, we gotta be, you gotta be worried about those teams. Exactly. They're, they're, like, they're kind of intriguing. Like look over your shoulder type of teams. Like, yeah. oh, they're, they're coming. Like, yeah. like the. You know, the objects in the rearview mirror, they're getting closer. Exactly. But, um, yeah, but it's just, it, you never know. Uh, uh, you never know. It's going to be tough. Um, all right, let's move on to another, another uh, sort of like hockey-themed topic. Uh, it's, this is from Simon Cooper on Twitter, at Scoop67. Very cool. What, which NHL team uh, do you either not buy the hype or don't understand why people are down on? Mm, okay. I would say for me, I'm worried about Detroit. Yes. 
And I know... Uh, Are people hyping Detroit, though? Maybe not hyping, but I think they're waiting for the next step. Mm -hmm. And just talking, to, I was talking to a fan uh, the other day uh, when I was in Washington, D.C. I'm going to be a Red Wings fan. He's like, is this a playoff year? And I'm like, I would bump the brakes. And again, because I think Buffalo and Ottawa have leapfrogged them. Mm -hmm. And just structurally, yes, they got Alex Dabrinkit. Yeah. That's great. Um, but structurally, I just don't know if they have the roster, you know, whether it's down the middle uh, or, you know, I mean, you do have Dylan Larkin, that's mm -hmm. fine, but I'm, I'm a little worried about their center depth After behind him. Yeah. him. And then goaltending, you got Huso and James Reimer. I don't know if that's going to, if that's going to do it in a division that has Tage Thompson Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews, David Pasternak, Tim yeah. Stutzla, yeah, yeah, David Pasternak. I don't know if that's going to do it for all you. of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, all of the you Tampa know. Bay Lightning, yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's a team where I'm a little bit worried about because it doesn't feel like anybody's being hyped to an unnecessary degree, at least to me. But what's your answer? See, I like I, I look at this question. I wonder, do I lean into my my latest bit? Uh -huh. on Twitter, which is hating the Ottawa Senators. Right. Or just needling the Ottawa Senators and then posting right. a picture under that tweet that everyone freaks out about of Anthony Mackie doing a very coy smile. <laughs> I like to do. Um, I do think, and I, ha I picked the Ottawa Senators to make the playoffs um, like as, as like the last wildcard team, but we need to absolutely uh, pump the brakes. Also, we have breaking news coming in. Before I get into Ooh. that, Braden Shen has been named captain of the St. Louis Blues. There you go. Um, so there you go. That And that is a worthwhile pick, I would think. We, uh -huh. that's, I just wanted to put it in there so our podcast is not out of date already. Um, yeah, I'm going to say the Ottawa Senators are getting way too much hype. Gotcha. Um, this is, look, this is, they have some very good pieces here. Mm -hmm. Like, Jacob Chikrin was exactly, like, I, if you watch the tape, I was calling for him to get Chikrin the entire season yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. I was like, he is the piece they need. They need that guy to take all of, because Thomas Shabbat is not a great defensive defenseman. Like, mm. he's, like, if you look at his numbers, he's not good in his own zone. So, but Chikrin, he's a lot more, like, solid there. They need another guy to at yeah. least extend the depth of that blue line. And they got him. It's yeah. great. Getting Tarasenko on a one-year deal, like that's that's another that's going to be great. Um, if they might lose another, uh, you know, if they might lose another top six guy for reasons that might or may not come out soon, um, you know, like that's a good guy to sort of have have there. You know, yeah. uh, Tim Stutzla had a great season last year, and he's only going to get better. Bra uh, Brady Tuchuk is clearly like the team loves him. He's a great captain. He's scrappy. He's exactly what you want. Claude yeah. Giroux seems to be just the most consistent player in the league. He's still there. All of that, but. A, we got goaltending. Jonas Corposalo hasn't been consistently good since, like, before we ever knew what social distancing was. Uh -huh. um, and they gave him a five-year deal. And the last goalie that hadn't been very good, had shown flashes at the, start of the, at the start of his career, but hadn't been good in multiple years, that they gave a, 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 a five-year deal to, or a, a, a deal that is over five years in life, was Matt Murray. Right. And that did not work out very well at all. Yep. Um, and on top of that, too... Uh, uh, I look after, like, anything after their top six. Like, first of all, also, none of these guys have done anything. Like, like we talk about, it's like, oh, yeah, this, no. Like, last year, they had a lot of the same guys, mm. and they finished, like, 11th in the, in, the, in the conference. They haven't made the playoffs. They were supposed to make the playoffs last year. The, the rebuild is over. They haven't. And also, like, they, they did lose Alex DeBrincat. Like, they added some guys, but they lost Alex DeBrincat. Mm. There's just a lot of... And I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not a huge believer in DJ Smith after some of the decisions he's made. I'm just, 
I, I don't, I think they'll be good, but like what I see on Twitter and what I see on social media is just like everyone hailing the Sens as like the newest like incoming dynasty. Like I think their fans are letting this, I'm all for like getting excited for your team. Sure. But this, but this fan base is like expecting cup or bust like this year. And I'm like, no, you guys, it will be like, it will be eyebrow raising if you make the playoffs. Like it'll be like, oh, they did, huh? Like, mm. you know, if they make the playoffs, let alone like do anything mm. in it. In almost all of your guys, save for like Tarasenko, because he because he uh, uh, he actually like won a cup. Yeah. Like but other than that, like all of your guys are either young or veterans who haven't done anything. Mm. And you then you bet all on a goalie who had like eleven good games with the Los Angeles Kings last year, yeah. and then fa- faded completely in the playoffs, and you gave him a five-year deal. Right. Like that's tough. I don't know. And on top of that, you're hiring Peter Shirelli, so maybe temper temper the expectations there. But yeah, that's my team where it's like. I don't necessarily buy the hype. I buy in that it'll be better this year. Yeah. I don't buy in in I don't buy that um, that they will be as good as maybe some are thinking. Um, yeah, Jeff. All right, let's move on to some more non-hockey questions, shall we? Let's go. Yeah. And this one is from uh, this was also from Simon Cooper. Number one, what are your top three highlights of your off season? Oh, that's a good one. All right, so I would say number one. Did a family road trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went down ultimately to Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, so I got a West Virginia pennant for my collection. Mm-hmm. But also we went to uh, Cooper's Rock State Park, which was literally, not figuratively, mm-hmm. literally breathtaking. Uh, just an incredible vista. Uh, really cool, like, state park, uh, and it was free, which was very nice. That's awesome. Yeah, so we walked around there for a while, but the actual Cooper's Rock where you stare out and you see, like, the, this whole mm. valley and river and stuff, that was amazing. So that would be number one. Uh, number two would be uh, finishing Tears of the Kingdom. Yep. Uh, that was my big video game project. It was fantastic. And then I would say number three uh, would be uh, my wife just got me a uh, Pittsburgh Pirates pillbox hat the Ooh, one that's flat yeah on the i love top. that yeah yes so now i can be like 70s 80s pirates but also i can pretend that i'm uh, rocky george the guitarist from suicidal tendencies that sounds awesome yes. that is great um i was okay so for me my top three highlights number one i i'm not sure i told the story on the podcast but the 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 sort of courtship between me and the cat that lives in my building right i don't i'm not sure i've talked about it on the podcast but there is a lovely gorgeous who is now, I've, I've learned, a 10-year-old cat named Missy who lives in my building. And when I first moved in a year, like a calendar year ago, like she was, she was the most skittish cat I've ever met. Like she would run away whenever, like she'd look at you and then she'd bolt. And it didn't matter who, the only person, I, I didn't even like see her owner who was like my neighbor down the hall, um, who I only recently like talked to and learned the name and everything. But I was like, when I moved in, I'm like, it isn't gonna be my, my duty. To like my my like I'm going to become best friends with this cat or die trying, and like I did everything. Like I, I buy treats at the grocery store every time I go for. I would like just sit there and I researched like how to get a cat to like you. Like I just googled it and apparently like long slow blinks are big thing. Like that's like okay. because if cats like close their eyes around you, they they feel safe because they're like I can take off predator mode for a second. And okay. so I was doing that, all of that, and it took a calendar year, but finally like like. I, I think Missy start, is starting to like me. And over the off season, I really made some inroads on her. And the other day, like I was able to, she finally let me pet her belly and all that. But it's funny with cats, how they will, they will like be all cuddly or whatever. And then their brain will be like, 
remember, you're a predator. And they'll uh-huh. be like, oh, yeah. And then they'll just, like, they'll snap back into, like, you know, animal mode. Because I was, you know, like, I saw her outside. And she, you know, I was like, oh, you're going to let me pet, pet your belly. And she gave me, like, a little lick. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Like, before she would just run away. And then, like, a middle, like, middle of that, like, five minutes in, she, like, snapped back into predator mode, like, gave me a nibble and then ran under a, under a fence. But, like, that was a huge highlight. I guess number two would be just, like, the amount of, of like running and hiking I did like over the the off season because the season gets so busy you don't have time to really you know like like do stuff for yourself mm-hmm. so throughout the off season I did like 600 kilometers uh, total wow. of of you know running and hiking and I ran through an entire pair like a pair of of, of running shoes and it was just it was great you feel good uh, and the number three I don't even know like I didn't I didn't go anywhere I just really kind of chilled um, I guess number three would be just like being able to cook, you know, like mm-hmm. just being able to let them cook. Like I just, they just let me cook, you know. I uh, number three would be making a, a new pot of like homemade tomato and meat, like tomato and meat sauce, like every week. Like I always have a a, a big pot of, of gravy, as the Sopranos gotcha. call it, using you know very like San Marzano tomatoes, which are the best tomatoes, no acidity, it's lovely, and I perfected it. Uh, so that those are my top three highlights. I'm, I'm, a, nice. I'm a simple man with simple taste. Yeah. You know? I will say my number one pet peeve is uh, calling tomato sauce gravy. Because really? Then, yes. Because then what's gravy? I don't know. Brown sauce? Like I'm just going. I'm just going from The Sopranos. Oh, and, I know. And, and I know it's common. Yeah. But uh, it's a huge pet peeve of mine. It's funny because as the, a wasp. Yeah. And look, I'm not Italian either. I'm Irish. Like it's like, but uh, you know, I, it's just you have a, a pot of sauce. In, in, yeah. in my fridge at all times, and yeah. it's it's fun to make. It's great. Yeah. Um, another one. This is from Michael Amato at Amato underscore Mike, and this I guess is it can be for both of us, but I guess it's more direct to me. It's like, what is your go-to dish to cook? Yeah, I have a whole like cycle of things that I cook, but I would say I enjoy doing a roast chicken with like mashed potatoes and gravy. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is just. That's a good like Sunday night dinner when I have time to like a Sunday roast. Roast. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, that is that is fantastic to cook. My go. Okay, this is go to, where it's more like. Um, uh, uh, yeah, go to is more is, is more of like the. Uh, uh, like you're in a rush or like you're just like on autopilot. And you're like this is my go to. So it used to be. Um, it's it usually revolves around pasta for me because that's just like it's good, it's filling, it's easy. And it used to be like penne alla vodka where I would uh, um, basically just like, you, you, you dice up you know, an onion and, and a, just as much garlic as you want, you throw it in there, you get a can of tomatoes, you throw it in there, a bunch of Parmesan cheese, some paprika, chili flakes, basil, and then, uh, um, and then a bunch of cream in there as well. And you just mix it together and it becomes like a tomato cream sauce and you put in a bunch of, I, like I never have like vodka on hand, so I was always just use like pasta water because it has the same starch content, so it works well. My one now though is is um, and then I add chicken to it, like just like I grill up like two or three chicken breasts and throw it in there, and then you have a meal for like you know a couple days. Mm-hmm. It's great. My my one now is pasta aglio which is very easy to make and it's very it's great. Which is spaghetti usually like a, a pasta that can get emulsified together, and you you cut up basically like you basically slice like an entire head of garlic like. Oh, you peel nice. them, but you can slice them. You put them in there in some olive oil, and they, they, until they're getting sort of fragrant and like a little bit brown. And then you toss the spaghetti in there, um, and then you sort of mix it all together. And then you put like a bunch of Parmesan cheese in there and some pasta water in there, so it gets all emulsified. Um, and then you add some chili flakes as well. And then you put a bunch of parsley in there, 
mix it together, and it is just like it's divine. And and, and basically, like the sauce is just olive oil. Nice. But it's like it's light and it's it's flavorful. And again, I also toss a bunch of chicken in there, so it's lovely. I might make when I get home. It's it's mm. it's, it's 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 terrific. So yeah, that's my go-to. I would say because it's just it doesn't take very long and it's easy. Um, like I ate that before like Leafs games like nights last year a lot just because it was easy to be like oh, I finished my piece I got like an hour like all right let's blah, and then we're good to go right on yeah. all right this next one um, is from Quiche at Quiche underscore LWG what's your favorite animal favorite animal uh, mm -hmm. I think hippos are slept on I yeah don't hippos think people talk about hippos enough baby hippos yeah like like anytime a zoo posts content about their baby hippos smashing that like button right right yeah, yeah I just think people don't talk enough about hippos they don't yeah. They're they're, they're, they're also awesome. like they're the killers of the totally like they'll get you more than lions. Oh yeah, they'll get you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of echidnas. Oh, I love yeah. echidnas. They just kind of walk around um, like they don't care about anything. Um, I'm a big fan. Of, I love elephants, man. Like I would love to become like a best like best friends with an elephant because like they would like they they have the mental capacity to to like be best friends with someone. Fair. Um, and like I also love like they have the capacity to be petty like there was like there was a uh, uh there's a famous story i think it happened like this past year maybe where like a, an elephant like a mother elephant like a, a hunter like shot uh, like a poacher like shot uh, shot their child and, and killed their baby elephant and then that that hunter died and the elephant like traveled like four thousand miles to just stomp on the grave of that lady like wow. it, or, and i think it was a lady um, um poacher like it, don't mess with elephants, but they are so intelligent. They don't forget. I love them. They're great. Um, this is from the Hockey News at the Hockey News. Okay. Great, great. Uh, I think it's a great account that you should follow. <laughs> Best Batman villain. Best Batman villain. Like this in might the not, movies, I guess. I would say just like in general, general. but like. And I want to I want to make this sort of a, a difference here. It's not the best. It's not your favorite Batman villain. Right. It's the best one. Uh, okay. Well, if I'm going just best, then mm. I would say the Joker because he is everything that Batman is not. Mm. You know, Batman is like, well, a a rich guy that's yes. very like controlled in his own way until it comes to the actual mm. pension and everything. Whereas the Joker is complete anarchy. Yes. And so that's why he's the perfect foil. Yeah, it's all, you know, you're the bat Batman is is as Joker says it in one of the most famous stories, like you're just one bad day away from being me. Right. That's what it says. I would say okay, like Joker obviously is my favorite. Mm -hmm. Like, but I do think there's there's also a lot of Joker saturation, like Oh, totally. It, like we they rely Batman has the best rogues gallery of any any superhero. Like yeah. like Spider-Man is the only one who even comes close. Um, but I would when it comes to best, I look at like tragic backstory I look at, you know, like, what makes a villain. And controversially, I'm going Mr. Freeze. Okay. And this is why. Because Mr. Freeze is, he's got, his, his backstory is basically that his wife, uh, he's a scientist, and his wife gets this disease that, like, is, in, you know, like, incurable. And he's searching for a cure. So he puts her on, like, so he, so when he's working for this company, he puts her in, like, cryo, like a cryo freezing state so he can mm. try and find a cure. Um, so she's basically in stasis so he can try and find a cure and cure her just so they can live together because he loves her. Mm. Um, but while he's working there, like, like uh, the owner of the company like, tries to steal his technology and basically it's an accident that turns him into a guy who has to be in a free suit all the time. Mm. And just, I guess it just have to be coincidence his last name is Freeze as well. Right. Um, but like, 
he's not necessarily like a villain in the sense that like the Joker will like rob a bank and be like, haha, I'm chaos. And you know, yeah. like, like, you know, he's not necessarily a bad guy. He, everything he does is to save his wife. Like mm. everything he does, like he, if he robs a bank, he does it to get money so he can keep, so he can fund building the technology to save his wife's life. Like yeah. it, all of that is, and it's very tragic. Like there's a, there's a great scene in the animated series basically where, um, and this is my, this is where we're getting nerdy here, but like... Now we're getting nerdy? Oh uh, yeah, now oh, we're okay. getting nerdy, yeah, yeah. But like a couple of years in the future, like his wife gets cured and, um, and it turns out that like they just, like their marriage falls apart or whatever. And he, and so the entire series is him just going around to like, to, to people who've created like beautiful works of art or their life's work and just like destroying them to be like, like I lost the thing I love, so now you will too, right. kind of thing. But like I find that so much more interesting than like the Joker just being like I'm cr- I'm the Joker, baby. Like I'm yeah. crazy. Like you know, I just find like the, the, a great villain is kind of like tragic backstory, and also like, do you really blame him for like robbing a bank to fund money to save his wife's life? Like right. you know, the best kind of villain is the is the one that like. They're like, oh, they might have a point. It's either like pure evil, like the Joker, where it's yeah. like I can I can really hop onto like the revenge, like the yeah, John Wick yeah. villains, for example. Yeah, yeah. They're just pure evil. They're not like, oh, we might be in the right. Like, no, there's no virtue. It's like, and you want to see them die, right? You know. Whereas like with with the other other villain, like in Mister Freeze, where it's like I kind of see his point. You know, yeah. it's like I can't really root against them, and it brings you back. So yeah. anyway, yeah, um, next one is from Norman at Norman underscore L J R. Which movie or song do you wish you could watch or hear for the first time again? We oh, can do we can one. do movie and song. I guess movie we'll and song. Yeah, Ooh, okay. because like, you just go song. I know that, but I think we should do movie and song to to spice it up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say uh, "Waiting Room" by Fugazi okay. for the song, uh, just because you know the first time I heard it, it led to like changing my life mm-hmm. and like introducing me to like a whole world of underground music, um, and then. For movie, to see it the first time again, mm. I would say The Handmaiden. Really? Yeah. You could have given me 500 guesses for your answer. I would not have guessed that. It was so good that I would love to see it again without knowing what happened and how it unfolded. I have to even look. Oh, I, oh yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's great. Um, those are both really great answers. Um, mine are more like, not because I... And I do love the song, I'm gonna say, but more just because I would give anything to hear Gangnam Style again for the first time. Interesting. Just because, like, back in the day, like, like, it, like I remember, you know, the Gangnam Style craze. It was just so much fun. Uh-huh. Like, everyone was loving it. There was no, like, is Psy problematic or anything? Like, I don't even know anything about Psy, but right. it's like, I feel like if that happened now, it would be like, yeah, but Psy did this back in, you know, like, there right. would be, there'd be a bunch of stuff. Whereas, like, it was just like, like, there's this guy, and it's a great, catchy song. There's a great viral dance you can do to it, and everyone was doing it. Your mom was doing it. it you know, like all of that, and it was just. And, and it's also like if you put if you put if I had a party and you put Gangnam Style on, party just like leapt up a bunch of notches. Like I I would love to be able to be like to hear like boop 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 like the, for the first time be like what is this melody? Like that would be <laughs> great. Um, and then for me, the, a movie I would love to see for the first time again would be 100% Parasite. Oh yeah. Because I knew. I heard nothing but amazing things about Parasite, but I had not. I knew zero about the plot. Mm. Like, I, and I think Which that is good. I, that was the best way to do yes. it. I knew z- like literally nothing about the plot. I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Um, and going into that movie, when and like, look, Parasite's been out for a long enough. You should have seen it. Like when they go down into the basement and you realize 
that like the maid and her husband have been living there. Yeah. I want to be able to experience that feeling again of being right. like, what? Like the yeah. movie, a movie going from me like very good to being like, this is, and to this day I will say like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Like in my opinion, like from a craft perspective, mm -hmm. like it's not, it's, it's up there on my favorites, but it's not my favorite. Uh -huh. Take a wild guess what my favorite is. But like the, the, Parasite, from a technical perspective, is the best movie I've ever seen. Um, so I would love to see that again. That'd be uh, great. Um, this next one uh, uh, is from David Alter at Dalter. Okay. Um, best running slash walking outdoor route. Oh, I don't do that. So, yeah, but uh, like, hey, if you ever go on a walk <laughs> or something in Toronto, what's your favorite place? What's your favorite place? I just walk around my neighborhood. Really? Yeah. That's well, the Danforth it. is it, not to dox or anything, but the Dan, yeah. the Danforth is lovely. I yeah. love to walk around that. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I have three. No, well, yeah. Like I used to live more west end, so I would do Lakeshore West End, like go all the way up to Ontario Place and keep going. Um, but there's a lot of like next to a highway walking there, even though mm -hmm. it's like right next to the lake, so that's a little rough. I have two that I do a lot now. The one main one when I was going on like you know my 30 kilometer, 35 kilometer like odysseys during the off season was um, going sort of down down Lakeshore East and then going all the way down to Cherry Beach, following the Leslie Street spit, and then going to Tommy Thompson Park and just following it all the way out to the Lighthouse Point, which is the farthest they go. That is gorgeous. Tommy Thompson Park is, I'm not sure if anyone knows about it, but in Toronto, it's a, it's a, it used to be an industrial site that, that they were like, no, we're not gonna produce anything industrial here anymore. We're, it's gonna be like a giant nature park. Dogs aren't allowed in. Um, because it, it because there's an ecosystem there and dogs could like you know interrupt it yep. and they basically just left it so it lo almost looks like the last of us because there's like structures there but like there's tons of weeds and stuff growing yeah. over it but it has something like like 400 bird species in it it's it's all just like it's all gorgeous and then there's trails there and there and a trail like like the pedestrian trail it's it goes right along like the lake. Like you can nice. see nothing but blue out there and it's gorgeous. I love it. And the second one is I'm a big fan of like architecture and the most beautiful houses are in like, you know, like the area around Riverdale Park or mm -hmm. Riverdale Farm, sorry? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like when I go at night, cause I can't necessarily do those these days cause there's work to do. Yeah. Um, so I'll just do like 10 or 12 kilometers at night and I go up there and, and the houses are gorgeous. Like I look in, I try and look in from the street into any of them. Um, but they also, but also they have huge hills. So I'll run up the hills, ah, which are yeah. which are helpful. Whereas like the Leslie Street Spit, Tommy Thomas Park, they're more straight. Yeah. But like those are both gorgeous. I would recommend both of you to not talk to me when I, if you ever see me out there doing them, <laughs> but to go do them yourselves because it's lovely. Um, yeah. So I'll do that. Uh, another one is uh, this. Is another one. Is, did you find where your wife went? Um, that's very funny. You got to vet these ones. Just so, just hilarious. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Okay. Um, where is it? Oh, I lost the, lost the page. I lost the page. Um, okay, here we go. If you could, this is from, this is also from at, this is from Mike C. the Leafs fan. Favorite food slash dish? Oh, any kind of like American barbecue. Yeah. Whether it's like pulled pork or mm -hmm. ribs or brisket. And I, I have to have it like, in the States yes. because they do it low and slow. They do it proper. Um, yeah, so any kind of barbecue like that. Yeah, that's, that's Or pad good. thai. Pad thai is great. Because it's a complete yeah. meal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's got the carbs, the protein, everything you need right. in it, uh, the vegetables. Yeah, it's tough because 
Like I love like, like just like a bucket of fried chicken would be great. Love that. Sure. But I also love like just the most high quality Italian food is amazing. Like fresh ingredients, all that. Greek food's amazing too. I don't know if I have like one favorite food or dish. It's tough. Like mm. what I would say is, and I would pose this as our last question, like death row meal. Like you're on death row, you get one last meal. Yeah. What yeah. would you do? Yeah, I would definitely give me, give go me the like, line. Give me the lineup. Yeah, ribs, wings, mm. fries, Dr Pepper, and like some sort of like brownie with ice cream on top uh, as dessert. I would do like like KFC mm. or Popeyes, either one. Um, uh, uh, do like a like a really good pizza. I would say um, like a like a home cooked like ziti, like baked ziti. Oh, that would be amazing. And then also, I'm a big fan of like Chinese food. Like I love oh. like like in, like Americanized Chinese food. Yeah. Like the, like what you would get like Manchu wok. If I got if literally I would replace KFC with just like a bucket of like honey garlic chicken from from like Panda Express like Manchu wok and like and also like their lo mein noodles or whatever. Like right. I would go to town on that. That would be amazing. I, w- I, I want to say as a man, be like steak, as rare as it gets, <laughs> like glass of scotch. Like, nah, I would, I would go to town on that. That'd be amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's our mailbag episode. Uh, that's our mailbag episode. That is terrific. Um, Ryan, we'll obviously be back next week to tee up the start of training camps to get everything going because the season, it's, I believe it's 21 days away. There you go. So we're getting close. Um, but yeah, until then, obviously go to thehockeynews.com for all our lovely uh, uh, journalistic endeavors. We have all the team sites go there, all the podcasts. And yeah, enjoy it. We'll be back next week.